Behind every bit of mom wisdom is a story. A story of a real mom and real kids just trying to love each other well. Whether you're cozied up on the couch with a mug of coffee, pulling out of car line and heading to work, or out for a walk, you're welcome to join us as we share stories and laugh, learn, and grow together. It's the I'm Mom Podcast. Welcome to the I'm Mom Podcast. I'm Abby with Chloe, Susan, and Megan, and I'm telling today's story. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. It is called Grateful Kids versus Gimme Kids. So Thanksgiving is coming up this Thursday, um, which means that we all kind of force our kids to think about what they're grateful for. And when they complain about us not getting the right dinner roll or whatever, um, we give them some guilt trip and we give them a lecture about, you know, you don't appreciate what you have. I mean, that's what happens on my Thanksgiving, at least. Um, So yeah, Thanksgiving can definitely bring to our attention that our kids might be struggling in the gratitude department. But other times they say something that makes us wonder if they have any concept of money or work. And for me, there are a couple of instances that definitely come to mind with my kids. One, I remember one day it was, you know, getting into the evening and my kids don't love taking showers. I mean, they're they're young boys. And so one of them was like, do I have to take a shower tonight? And I was like, eh, was there PE today? No, you took a shower last night. Okay. I said, nah, but you need to get in the tub and wash your feet because your feet are dirty and dirty feet lead to dirty carpets. And so I was like, please just wash your feet. And his response was, "Eh, we'll just get new carpets. And I was like, what? And his brother agreed. His brother was like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not just, we can't just buy new carpets. Um, Another time I was, um, my son was getting excited about a cruise that we were planning. We were looking at buying, um, you know, booking a vacation. And he said, I could never go on a cruise and not have a room with a balcony. There's no way I could go on a cruise without a balcony. And my husband and I just looked at each other and we're like, excuse us. Like, what is it? What? Um, And we probably created that monster ourselves, but just those phrases, those things that come out of their mouths that you just, as a parent, you're like, what have I done or why, how do you think like this, right? But then at the same time, this child will grab my hand while we walk through the grocery store and say, thanks, mama, for buying me these granola bars. Or just the other day, I was helping him with a project. We were like formatting some words that had to go on a poster board. And he said, thank you for helping me with my project. So it's like, I don't know if I'm doing a good job or if I'm doing a horrible job. claustrophobic. I don't think so, Megan. I think he has expensive taste. Or maybe he heard, maybe he heard you say, I could, I'd really like this that's balcony. True. He couldn't do this without the balcony. That's true. He might. He might. So that's what I want to chat about today. You know, we all want kids who appreciate what they have, whether those are their things or their family or their home or their education. But gratefulness is, it's a character trait that the world is making very difficult for us to instill in our kids. And a lot of us are at the point, a lot of parents, I think, we're at the point where we would settle for not spoiled, um, but we can't settle. You know, we have to try to aim for kids who recognize what they have and they live a life that reflects that gratitude. But how do we do that? How do we shoot above just not spoiled and try to raise grateful kids. So let's talk, let's start by talking about Thanksgiving. Do you guys do anything on Thanksgiving that helps kind of foster a sense of gratitude or reinforce the gratitude part of the thankfulness part of Thanksgiving? We do. We do one thing where you, do we, did we draw names last time, Megan? You have to say, or no, it was usually who you were sitting by. You had to say why you were thankful for mm-hmm. them. That's yeah. sweet. We do that. We go yeah, on the table. Sweet. It's really sweet for especially the grandparents to hear. Mm-hmm. 
Do you, you still do it now? Like as the kids are adults? Did we do it last year, Megan? We did. I can't. I think so. We pretty much do it. We do year. it every year. Yeah. We started one because we do that same thing. Um, but we also did, I started a thing where I bought like a tablecloth and a uh, fabric marker mm-hmm. and everyone wrote on the tablecloth something they were grateful for. And Aww. then we bring it back every year. That's so sweet. We did it two years and then we forgot. Aww. And well, I think I lost the tablecloth. <laughs> so that was a nice idea. It's another year. Yeah. What about you guys, Chloe? Um, well, we watch all the Thanksgiving episodes of Friends and I'm <laughs> thankful for that. <laughs> now we do the go around the table and say what we're thankful for. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, here's a question then. What does a grateful kid in the 21st century look like? Because I think that it's more than just a kid that says thank you, right? Yeah, but that can't be understated because, like, a kid who looks someone in the eye and says thank you for things, that's, Mm -hmm. I feel like that needs to be encouraged a lot more today. Right. Well, and I don't mean to downplay what I, you know, said my son did because it was very it was unprompted we were just sitting there I was you know messing with on the computer with his font and everything like that and he just said Mm. thank you so much for helping me and that means a lot to me that he recognizes I don't have to help him and that it means something to him Mm. and it was important to Mm -hmm. him yeah I think it's really hard because we have so much I mean if somebody wants something you just Amazon it you get it in 24 hours (laughs) sometimes three hours so it's hard to teach the doing without or what what would life be like if I didn't have this we kind of made our kids go on missions trips I mean Mm. it was the only way to take them out of our prosperous country and and make them realize there was a a world out there where people really didn't have anything Mm -hmm. like what they have yeah so if we're talking about materialism it's hard in our country I think yeah I think also sometimes we have expectations, giving giving kids a break. I think sometimes we have expectations for kids that aren't necessarily like in line with their development. You know, we, we tell a small child, say thank you, and they say thank you. But I don't think you can really expect a small child to connect mm. a gift with like, you know, the, the idea of gratitude, I don't think is something that developmentally a very small child can fully conceive because they are too... Um, myopic or they they are only thinking of themselves until that certain age. So I think that we have to kind of give kids a break uh, up to a certain age that, you know, gratitude is really just mimicking and parroting, parent, parroting what we say as adults. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I do try to do with James is if he gets something or something comes in the mail, I'll be like, look what so-and-so sent mm-hmm. you. Isn't that so nice? They used their money to buy this mm. for you or they thought of you because of this or whatever. So it's funny now because I'll, I'll get something new or he'll notice something new or he'll get something new and he'll go, where did I get this? Who got me this? Aww. And so he's putting together that someone actually got him this, whether it was just me or one of his grandparents or something like that. Yeah, he's only three. And I, I think he has that because he'll say to me all the time, you bought me this, Marmy. Um, so he does remember. Yeah. That's I just try sweet. to make a point of it that, that you know, someone got it for him. It yeah. didn't just like come in the mail via Amazon, you know. You know, I was just um, writing an article about kids shows, Megan, that was prompted by a discussion we had in a previous episode. And I was doing research on Mr. Rogers. um, And one of the things, I don't know if you remember this, but if you watched Mr. Rogers, but in most episodes, he, well, in a lot of episodes, he'd go to like a factory 
Like I remember the episode <laughs> where he goes and finds out how crayons are being made or a red, what is the wagon? Red flyer? Yeah. Red, red flyer wagons. So you find out how, how all these, thing, these things are made. And he said, we did that because I wanted the kids who are watching to realize that things are made by people. You know, mm. the people had their hands on these items in some way or another that they don't just materialize out of nothing, that a human being helped create this so that you could have it. And I think that kind of like what you said, Susan, with Amazon being able to get stuff to us so quickly, our kids forget that there are human beings that are in the part of this process and that um, it is not all instant gratification. I do think... Again, it's one of those things you have to model too. Mm -hmm. Like when they help you with something, gosh, thank you. You you really, you know, or even praying about it at night, you know, Mm. gosh, I'm so thankful that you saw that mommy was really tired and needed help with the dishes and you helped me. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. yeah. And not just saying thank you for material things, but for service. Service. Yeah. One of the things we did the other night, I just felt like James had been getting a lot of stuff. And so I felt like he was feeling starting to feel very entitled to things. And so I took him out. We did little boo bags for our friends. You know, when you drop the little bag of Halloween, you know, trinkets off on their door and then it's kind of a cycle. And so we did it. And the first thing he said was, where's my bag? And I looked at him and I said, we are making bags for our friends and you don't have a bag because sometimes it's better to give than receive. And it took him like a good hour to get over the fact that he wasn't getting getting one. Um, But it was so adorable to see his face sneak up to these houses and drop them on their front door. He like wanted to take a picture and he was so excited. And then um, the moms sent me pictures of their kids with them and I showed him and it was so cute for him to, you know, process in his little brain and see how it was fun to give instead of just get all the time. Yeah. I think that that's part of the, like, if you want to teach your children how to be grateful and to, to have that grateful spirit, I think that we look at it as, well, tell them to say thank you more often, but it's so much deeper than that. I think that something like what you're doing, Megan, it might not, you might not say that this makes them grateful, but they realize how fun it is to be part of the giving side of it. And there's just something deeper and more um, like it, woven through who we are as humans that helps foster gratitude. Kind of like um, working for something. You know, when my son got to buy his iPad because he mowed lawns, that was not a lesson in gratitude. That was a lesson in work and how you earn something. And that means that then when he gets something in the future as a gift, oh, I'm grateful because somebody had to work to buy this for me, which I think is just really powerful. Yeah. The value of money, I think, does breed gratitude if they have to spend their own and then they understand how, mm-hmm. how much it is. It gives them something to compare and have a scale about yeah. You know, like, okay, gosh, I just got this for free because somebody gave it to me versus me having to save my money that long. Yep. So what do you do if you find out, if you kind of realize that your child is spoiled? Is it possible to unspoil a spoiled kid? What do you think? Oh, I think it's absolutely possible. If you want to unspoil your child, the f- one tip is to stop treating your children for every good thing they do. Not every good thing has to be rewarded. I think sometimes you just you do good things and you treat people well because that's what we're supposed to do. Um, Don't be afraid of your child's reactions if they don't like 
not receiving something, you're going to have to deal with that because it's going to be a process to unspoil them. I'd say too, you know, if they're not, if if they do get something, especially with Christmas coming, that's expensive and wonderful and they take it for granted and they're abusing it, take it away. Mm-hmm. I say, look, this is a privilege to have this. Some Somebody spent, your grandparents spent a lot of money on it. And the very fact that you're just throwing it around um, and not taking care of it, I told you to put it away. You didn't, you left it outside, whatever means you're not valuing what went into purchasing this and perhaps you're not ready for this gift. Yeah. I think what shows up looking like a spoiled child as an older kid comes out as a sense of entitlement. Um, And I think we see it a lot when it comes to like kids thinking they deserve a certain grade um, or I worked a little bit, so I should get rewarded for this. Mm-hmm. I know that we have an article about getting paid for good grades. Mm-hmm. Um, I deserve to make the team just mm-hmm. because I tried. Which leads to I graduate from college and I deserve to have a job. Right, right. What about this one? The idea that our kids, their their sense of entitlement comes out in um, this idea of I deserve to be served. What do you guys think of that one? I do think there's... I think moms are being run ragged and we don't realize that we're running around serving our kids, but we are and we're probably creating just a lot of extra work for ourselves. Oh, I was I was doing this last night. I was folding all of our laundry and there's four of us, so it's just all it feels like a lot of laundry and I was taking it upstairs like one person at a time and James started taking his up. I'm like, "Why am I taking his clothes up?" He can carry them up. He may not be able to put them in his drawer, but he can help me carry them mm-hmm. up. Why am I doing this for him? Uh, so I just didn't realize that they can start doing things themselves. Yeah. I'll never forget when um, I had five kids all at one time, all the same age. Didn't have them all at one time, <laughs> but all the same age. And, you know, they were all teenagers in high school at the same time. And our laundry room was attached to the garage, no air conditioner, and yada, yada. Long story short, lots of laundry. And I just said, I am not turning clothes inside out anymore. 50,000 socks. If you have kids playing sports. I literally (laughs) thought about that today as I was turning clothes inside out. I was like, I always think of my mom telling me, if you put your clothes in the laundry inside out, they're going to come back to you inside inside out. out. Because, you know, they'd pull their shirts off and it would be inside out. Like, you can pull your shirt off a different way. Or my kids do not pull their underwear out of their pants, like out of their shorts. Stuck. Yes. And I'm like, really, you're going to make me pull your little Paw Patrol? They don't wear Paw Patrol well, anymore. But. Most of them, I will say, got their laundry back inside out just a few times and decided, okay, I got to take put forth a little more effort here for my mom. Yeah. To get, yeah. Because if you if you wash socks inside out, they don't get clean. Mm. No, no. <laughs> just the inside, just the, the stinky foot part. No, I think that's a great, a great idea. And I read, there's that Harvard study. It was like the... Um, longest longitudinal study. I don't know the right way to say that, but it showed that one of the biggest predictors of success in professionals was if their parents made them do chores. So if they grew up doing chores, that predicted success later in life because they understood the idea of contributing to the family and hard work. Oh, we had a chore chart that rotated every week. So everybody had to go through every Mm -hmm. chore and there were some chores they hated and they learned that some jobs are better than other jobs. Mm -hmm. Like garbage was pretty easy and dishes for a family of seven was a beast. So if you had dishes that week, Oof. Yeah. So let's wrap up by talking a little bit about work ethic, because I think that that's like one of my favorite, favorite topics, actually, because I just I think it's really important. Chloe, you've been a little quiet this episode, but I know that you grew up playing sports and things. How did your parents teach you work ethic or did it just like when it came to 
playing soccer? How did um, how did they teach you to kind of stick with it and and keep working hard? Um, I definitely think I just you know not to blame it on my enneagram, but I think just being a three, I've always had like something in me that wants to work hard. But I think my parents honestly showed me hard work. My parents. Um, you know, my mom went back to school as an adult and got her degree um, after she had kids, and I really admired her for that. And um, just my parents showed a really good work ethic, honest work ethic. Um, and yeah, I think I, I honestly think God allowed me to see a lot of the the benefits for the work, which was great. You know, getting a scholarship to play soccer in college, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Um, I'm I'm with you though, Abby. Like work ethic is one of my favorite things to to discuss and my husband has an incredible work ethic and it it makes me really excited for when we do have kids because he's going to be a really good example of that for them yeah some good tips from one of our imom articles that we kind of talked about was um to not hire away all the tough jobs you know a lot of us have you know somebody that comes to mow the lawn when our kids are very capable of mowing the lawn Mm -hmm. um or having someone come clean the house when we are capable of having our kids do some of those chores, um, which it means though that we have to take on a burden ourselves. Yes. We have to take on the burden <laughs> of training them or scheduling the chores or making sure there's gas for the lawnmower. You know, there's this extra extra burden that a, a parent has to ha- be willing to accept in order to teach their kids. I had to mow the lawn. Did you have to mow the lawn? I did have to mow the lawn. Yeah, because my brother did it before me and then he got a real job and I had to take it over. Well, I didn't have a brother. So it was like, it was my sister. I mean, but we did get paid. We didn't get paid for chores around the house, but no, we I got, got paid. I got paid for the lawn. I got paid I for the lawn. I was and a big job. paid for chores, but I never took out the trash. The trash was a boy's job, not to be like that. But when Trent and I got married and we moved in together, I was like, I'm not taking out that trash. That's a boy's job. Yeah. <laughs> boys take out the trash. Because my dad always took out the trash. I yeah. don't know. And then also let them suffer the consequences of not working hard. You know, if they don't study, you can't go to the teacher and be like, hey, can we get an extension? Or no, you can't skip school today to miss the test. Mm. I mean, they just have to face those consequences. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that work ethic then, you know, leads to realizing how much work it requires to have the things that you want or the work that goes into all these things, which uh, coming back around to the beginning helps create grateful kids. And I think that's the hard thing, too, is teaching them the work ethic for the things they don't like. Like mm-hmm. you can't play football if you're not getting good grades in school. Yeah. So yeah, they may work really hard at the sport and not at, at, at school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, tell us how you try to foster gratitude in your kids and what you do when you realize they're getting a little bit spoiled. How have you tried to pull back on that? And you can tell us via the link in the show notes. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the iMom podcast. iMom is the motherhood program of the nonprofit organization Family First. Along with our fatherhood program, All Pro Dad, we exist to help you love your family well. Subscribe to our daily email, the iMom Minute, by going to imom.com slash subscribe and get tons of great ideas, insight, and inspiration. The iMom podcast is hosted by me, Abby Watts, along with Susan Merrill, Megan Tigner, and Chloe Blumenthal.